You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Illini Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner here with you. And uh, it's been a while since we've chatted. It's actually, I think, only been two and a half weeks. But so much has happened in those two and a half weeks. It's Michael Carpenter, and it's Wednesday, so it's not Mondays with Mike. But Mike Carpenter, it feels like it's been a year since I last talked to you. So much has happened in illini over it this does. last two and a half weeks. I mean, we talked the day before the Duke game. That was the last time. So that means bragging rights happened. Bragging rights came and went. The game at Northwestern, which we don't need to relive that. A coaching search and a coaching hire. And an Illini basketball team that, I mean, they're making it interesting. Not the way that I'd maybe want it, but it's uh, it's been a very busy two and a half weeks. And what I'm excited about is the idea that maybe on both sides of Kirby Avenue, things are stabilizing. We already feel good about basketball, but I'm I'm especially encouraged about what's happened last week for football. That was 15 days ago. Duke. Yep. That was, I mean, it feels like so long ago. Uh, but let's start with football. Brett Bielema. If I would have told you 10 years ago, Brett Bielema is going to eventually be the Illinois coach, I think people would be doing cartwheels. Uh, and I do have to say, I think a lot of people saw this hire carp, and the initial reaction uh, that at least I saw was, really? They, they did that like it was almost, that. I don't know about that one. Uh, but I think Bielema whether you want to say win the press conference, whatever. Uh, I, I think Bielema has done a great job uh, the last couple of days of winning over those fans uh, with what he said with recruiting. Um, and I just think the stark contrast uh, between him and Lovey has been so welcoming, whether it's us in the media or you as the fans. I, I think you see a guy that has some characteristics of Lovey where it's going to be, you know, he's not – now, I say he's not going to embarrass you, but he knows how to run a program, right? Like, Lovey, at least you knew wasn't going to embarrass you for the most part when it came to just being the CEO of a program. Um, but he just knows how to play the media game. He knows how to run a program. He's done it twice. He's had some success. Uh, just your thoughts, Carp, on was this day four of the Brett yeah. Bielema era? I came around midway through last week when it seemed like Bielema and Leipold, excuse me, Leipold were the two names that were really being thrown about. And I understand why Leipold was an option, and I think I would have been happy with it. But I really started to come around on Bielema because of what he had done at Wisconsin and then really kind of reappraising the Arkansas stint, which by no means was great. But when you consider what Arkansas is in the SEC, the SEC West especially, compared to what Illinois is in the Big Ten West, and what he did in the second, third, and fourth years there, I thought, we take that. That's exactly the kind of coaching stint that we always said, seven, eight wins a year, and we're going to build you a statue. I think the leeriness of some Illini fans, though, had more to do with the fact that Brett Bielema, being a Wisconsin guy, not one of ours, I can recall when he was there thinking, he's just a dude, and he's benefiting from the Wisconsin machine. And it, I get why it's not a sexy hire in some people's minds, and why they think it's a retread. But in my life, there has not been a more qualified candidate that has accepted the Illinois head uh, football coaching job because while Lovey was qualified in so many ways, not at the college football level, Beckman, three years at Toledo, Cubit, a Mac coach for his entire career, 
Ron Turner, an offensive coordinator, and Ron Zook, the closest match, had three years inheriting Steve Spurrier's program and didn't drive it into the ground, but clearly didn't match what he was doing. Bielema matched what Alvarez was doing up there. And really kind of took it to another level. Um, yeah. for the, for the most part, uh, I know he was doing it while Penn state and Ohio state were down, but he still did it. Right. And I, I think you do look back at that Arkansas thing and as always, you just can't take the record on the surface, right? You have to dig in and nuance is important to me. Um, and if you look into it, he took over after the Petrino motorcycle ex volleyball player staffer affair thing, and John L. Smith was there for years. It was kind yeah. of like Cuban, <laughs> and it was just it just was a terrible situation. They go zero and eight, and if you toss that year out, which we kind of did with Lovey, right? And I think that's fair with Lovey. You, you toss that year out, and all of a sudden you're thinking, man, he made three straight bowl games. He got him to third place in a division that includes Alabama, LSU. Auburn, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. It's the toughest division college football has ever seen at that particular time. Hugh Freeze was at Ole Miss. Uh, We obviously know what all those other programs are doing. But also, Carp, like, you look at what Arkansas is now, right? After Bielema leaves, after one really bad season uh, that was really his program, um, they've won two games, two games, three games. And, and Sam Pittman seems like a good fit there, and it's basically Bielema, I think, reincarnated because it's his former offensive line coach. Uh, but I, I think you're right. I think Illinois would take the last four years of that Arkansas tenure. Three straight bowl games, you have a down year, and then Illinois would give him a chance to bounce back from that, right? So I, I the process, Carp, is, is always important to me. And from everything I could understand, we don't know all the candidates, uh, but from everything I've heard is that Fickle was a target and that, un- unsurprisingly, he didn't have much interest in Illinois because he didn't have much sure. interest in Michigan State. Then you had Bielema and Leipold. And both those guys, if that's your secondary options, and, and I'm sure Whitman wouldn't want it termed that way um, because they're both solid options, I think, for Illinois. Uh, that's a pretty good process uh, to me that that you have those kind of options and what he was looking for, I thought was really smart too. He mentioned Kansas state. He mentioned Iowa. He mentioned uh, Wisconsin. Those are the types of builds. Those are the programs I always mention, especially Iowa uh, in, in early days of Alvarez with Wisconsin, maybe not what they are now about what Illinois can be, or even Michigan state under D'Antonio. And what do those guys do? They develop three-star prospects um, they get linemen from the Midwest. They have good running attacks. They don't beat themselves. So identity has always been so important to me. And I keep asking people, when you think of Illinois football, like what do you think of on the field? And and there's no good answer. And Lovey Smith never really got that outside of last year with takeaways. Um, he never found that on offense. He had to you know mess that up all the time. Obviously, we know Beckman was a disaster. Ron Zook at least just got NFL dudes. Right. Like that was kind of your identity and then they'd underachieve. But I do think you can find an identity uh, with Bielema. And I, I think he's got probably a higher floor um, than Leipold because he's done it before. Does he have a higher ceiling? I'm not sure. But I, I like that model that Whitman went after. I think it's less risky than Leipold. Uh, for some reason, and back to this idea why some Illini fans had a muted reaction to it. 
I think we want this notion of our guy, we want to be unique, and maybe we think that to build Illinois into some sort of, not a powerhouse, but relevant football program, that we need to do so in an unorthodox way, like a Joe Tiller at Purdue. We need our sort of mad scientist or something. Well, you know me, I've been saying Dino Babers. I was saying Dino Babers the last decade, and, and I'm fine. Like, you just have to have something. That's why like, you knew he would bring something, and Purdue knows it's something is an aerial attack. Mike White did it at Illinois, but you got to have something, and Monken, I don't know. Like that was, pro- I would have yeah. had Bielema probably ahead of Monken. Um, but I like him. I, I thought it would have been toughness. It would have been in state. But I think Bielema may- makes more sense than him. Yeah, I, I think so too. The Monken thing always intrigued me because I had reached a point as a fan saying, "Why not? We've never tried the triple option." But let, let's just do it at this point. And like Lon and I and you often talked about, Lon said this during the Lovey tenure that. If this doesn't work out, nothing will. And I understand the notion behind that. But I think that we got so caught up and we need our own unique sort of thing that really it's okay to go with the template. It's okay to follow what other programs have done to make themselves successful. I think the floor definitely raises. And the other thing about Bielma that I thought was interesting Saturday is you kind of peruse Twitter and the message boards. Most of the objections seem to not center at all on what he's accomplished on the field. That's somewhat inarguable. He's a good college football coach. It's the character thing. And I'm, I tell you, the last week I've been searching far and wide for any substantial thing to tell me that I need to be worried about character. And then I watched the press conference on Monday and I'm like, well, wait a second. If the marks against him have to do with confidence or brashness, swagger, bravado, any of that, you know what? This program needs teeth and it hasn't had it for so long. So I... I welcome it as most hires are a reaction to the previous guy that you fired. I think that makes all the more sense. And the more he talks, I think the more Illini fans will be like, okay, this is our guy. Yeah, I, I almost like balk at that that word character because there's no like huge off-field red flag. I mean, from what we hear, he likes to drink beer and party, uh, but it doesn't seem like that's led to anything significantly like bad for society right like yeah right we illinois just had a coach five years ago that was fired for abuse allegations right like there's nothing like that uh can he be abrasive with staff does everyone like him no that that certainly does hasn't seemed to be the case i know he and and barry alvarez had a falling out when he just left him right and that was a lot of cockiness by bielema to think oh i'm better than this i can do my own thing and win a national championship at arkansas because that's where i am um but i think he's done a good job of saying hey here's what i learned from that or i'm not going to apologize for being confident but um maybe i was a little bit too brash or you know i can learn things from my failure at arkansas um or maybe i can do things a little bit differently and I, i can tell you you know, I know Illinois is doing a pretty good job of branding him as family man, and, and I don't doubt uh, that. Um, but I can tell you, fatherhood changes you, and it gives you a lot more perspective. And I, I think he's probably matured. I mean, when he was at Wisconsin, as he told us, you know, he thought he was the greatest coach alive because what was he doing? I mean, 32 years old, he's named coach in waiting. 36 years old, wins 11 games, uh, leads them to three straight Rose Bowls and three straight Big Ten championships. I would think I'm pretty damn good, too, and, and think I can I can go to the SEC and be Nick Saban. And, and now I think he's been humbled. He's He's been around Belichick. He's been around NFL guys. Um, you know, I, I think I, I believe wholeheartedly in evolution, especially for a guy uh, who's still in his middle ages. So. I, I think he, he has grown. I'm interested to see how he does both on the field and off the field. 
Yeah, to me, the most striking part of that press conference was that answer, the Lombardi answer. How after you win, go 12-1, and one, go to a Rose Bowl your first year, you think you're Vince Lombardi. And of course, at 32 years old, I mean, I'm 34 and I'm still figuring things out, right? And it's an ever-going process, evolution as you call it. And But my favorite part of that answer was he mentions that and he talks about, yeah, he has been humbled. But he didn't go all in on the narrative that I'm a completely changed man. I appreciated the fact that he still had that nuance in the answer to say, listen, yeah. I'm still a confident guy. You mm -hmm. kind of have to be at that uh, position and when you get to that level. And what that tells me is that was that was some introspection. And I don't know if we're always going to learn about Brett Bielema, the guy, but I will say this, back to the idea that the hire is always a reaction to you, who you previously yeah. had. I think that you will feel as an Illini fan that you get to know him a little bit better oh, compared yeah. to past coaches. <laughs> and I know it's a low bar to clear. Come but. on. I mean, like I sat, you know, kudos to Brett. Um, you know, like he was doing the rounds and kudos to Kent Brown and Brett Moore and everybody at Illinois sports information for setting this up. We, we all went through testing, uh, on Monday morning in the morning, we kind of chilled in the suites at Memorial stadium and we each got 10 minutes with Josh Whitman and we each got 10 minutes with, with Brett Bielema. Some of us were in groups of two. Some of us were alone and I was fortunate to meet with him alone. And as I'm doing the interview with him, he's very respectful and he's, he's given me a lot of, of great insight, uh, but he's yawning through this because he hadn't slept since he'd been hired, but sure. he still found time for what, 15 of us to go through for 10 minutes. And then he's done all these radio shows. That's a huge, important part of the job. And he understands that and he embraces it. Lovey was accessible. He, he made himself available to us for these Zoom calls or press conferences, but he didn't, get, he didn't let you in very much, right? Brett understands the game of, of selling himself, not only to, to media, which is really th to you guys, the fan, um, but it's to the community. Like, I think he's going to be out in the community when this pandemic is over. Right, I think he's going to be a part of it. Um, donors, and then it gets into the actual recruiting of players. I just think he's going to be so much more energetic, so much more charismatic, and just put so much more effort into it personally that it should really help Illinois uh, win games uh, and, and have representation and have good public relations, which is so important uh, to college football. You know, there's always a honeymoon period, too. So right now he's making the rounds, doing a really good job with all these uh, meeting with you guys and just the messaging and branding, I think, by the athletic department has been pretty much spot on, too. So the the rollout of this hire, I think, was an A plus when you consider the fact that it didn't have that initial wow factor for some people. But I think they're coming around. The, the other factor about the Brett Bielema hiring that I'm particularly excited about is that given the fact he's 50, that's not old. Right. No. I mean, that's still pretty young, but he still has 12 years of power five head coaching under his belt. So that's very rare for a 50 year old guy. But also the fact that we talked about this humbling experience at Arkansas. I genuinely believe and I don't think it's naive to do so that he is looking at this as a major opportunity. If this does not work for him, what then? Because I don't know if he's going to be able to go out there and get another power five opportunity if it fails at Illinois or is somewhat like the Arkansas stint. He's going to do what he has to to make this work. And I know that a pushback I get sometimes with that as well, if he has a bunch of success, then that might mean he goes elsewhere. And I always argue, well, that would mean he has success first. <laughs> It'd be great. It'd be he great if self and leave. Yes. That's like, that's a good, like, Lon Kruger was a great hire, right? I mean, Jimmy Collins, respect the man, RIP, um, and, and he could have done this job. And if it weren't for Bruce Pearl, maybe he has the job, right? But Lon yeah. Kruger was a great hire. 
Bill Self was a great hire. If you're a stepping stone program, like, yeah, that's that stinks, but it's way better than what you've gone through now. Like, John Makovic, have that again. Fantastic, right? You just got to gotta hire somebody better than Lou Tepper next time, right? Yeah. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's the problem. Is like, And I think they would. I think they yeah. would, and that's the difference, right? Is that when you look at the past after Makovic or after Bill Self, and I don't want to get too hard on Bruce Weber here because it worked for a few years, but I do have more faith, partly because of Josh, and yes, also partly because he got the facilities now and the resources, and I know that's kind of a, a broad term, but yeah, it does seem like this athletic department has more oomph to it than it did when you had Ron Gunther going out and making those replacements. Or in the case of Makovic, I think you were between athletic directors and then Gunther gets installed and he just kind of went with the Tepper thing. So I, I am more encouraged that if that situation presents itself, and I would be happy if it did, that you can go out there and continue and carry this thing on without losing too much of a step. Yeah. Um, so what else stood out to you so far, Carp, about um, Bielba before we get some uh, basketball talk here? You know, I, this is somewhat redundant, but I think that last week I went through the uh, coaching carousel process of going on YouTube and looking up press conferences, which what does that mean? And what it meant for me is, okay, I need to try to figure out between Leipold and Bielema, because those are the two big names, who impresses me the most, who could win the press conference for whatever that's worth. We often talk about winning the press conference, but I think now more so than ever, we both recognize that there is an apathy that really set in for this football team. And 2020 didn't help matters, but I think with the Lovey era, we're going to look back on it as the lack of outreach and the lack of on-field success. It, it probably, if there would have been fans in the stadium this year, would have manifested in some of the worst attendance we've seen by the end of the season. So by winning the press conference, by injecting a little bit of energy into this thing, I think it is important. We're already seeing it pay dividends. Doug Kramer announcing he's coming back. Mm -hmm. That's still a sales job. And I know that these guys had the opportunity to come back for that six year, but you still need to bring in a coach that convinces them it's worth it to do so. Yeah. So that is encouraging to me. Uh, what I find really discouraging, discouraging, is that from what I've heard the last week, if Lovey would have stayed, you would have seen a bigger exodus right now. Yeah. Like it already would have happened. Um, so kudos to Whitman for, for knowing it was time to pull the plug and listen, Hey, I get it. Like we were all skeptical it was last year. Was that, was that a fluke and ends up it was right. And, and not to take away anything from that season. I thought it was a fun, special second half of the season. Um, but the recruiting was dead. And you hear even more recruiting stories of, of Lovey holding grudges or not, not being involved enough. And it's like this program wasn't going anywhere. And I think we all realize that, especially midway through the season, after the 0-3 start, even with COVID carp, I was like, man, if, if he doesn't get another turnaround like last year, and I wrote it, um, then, then Whitman's got to start thinking about something else. Then he win two games. You're thinking, okay, if you can get to four or five wins, maybe you get another year, see if you can continue this transfer portal thing. Um, but then after, after Iowa, um, it was pretty clear it wasn't happening. And then after Northwestern, it was like that, yeah, this, this thing ain't working. Um, and I think the players all knew that. And I think 
yeah, you get Kramer back, you get Palcho back. I think they're going to get more of these guys back. McCourt, Hayes, maybe you can get some defenders back like Tony Adams, Owen Carney, um, Isaiah Gay. I think it'll be tough to get Kendrick Green back. Jake Hansen, I heard, was out the door last week, and now maybe he can consider it. I, I still think he probably goes and, and just you know moves on with his life, tries to make the NFL. But um, that's huge, Carp, because you only have 10 scholarships really to work with. Um, so to get these kids back on your roster, because maybe then you can get five, six wins, seven wins next year. I, I, I think the over-under would probably be four, four and a half next year. But um, we still got to learn what offense they're running. Who's who's going to be the quarterback? Do they go with Isaiah? Do they get a transfer? And we'll figure all that stuff out. But if you can get a core group of these seniors back, it just gives you a higher floor for next year, which can be a nice starting point, right? Because Lovey had such a bad starting point and couldn't get any momentum. So if you can have a good season, have a solid recruiting class, then you're building off something winnable schedule and it would be so nice to have the first year of a coach you go back to lovey the first year three wins tim beckman two wins ron zook two wins ron turner zero wins it would be nice for a change to have that first year for a new coaching staff be like four or five wins because that would do a lot of people are going to enter next season with meager expectations final point about the lovey thing and i was reflecting on this on this weekend's podcast it kind of occurred to me that, you know, we knew this as these five years were going on, that by the time it was over, it'd be difficult to write or sum up what that was. And if if you ever write a novel, right, if, or if you ever write a <laughs> book about an Illinois football period, and you ask me, well, which period would you be more interested in reading? It'd be the Beckman era. And, and what I think, what I mean by that is, at the end of these five years, looking back on it, and it could be 10 years from now, 20 years from now, as we have more hindsight with it, it's just not one that I'm going to return to much. There just yeah. isn't a lot of sizzle behind it. And at least with Beckman, to borrow a term from 670, it was fun bad when it was yeah. bad. And man, he gave us plenty of fodder. I would rather read that book. Well, how, how would you describe this? Like, if you had described these tenures, right? Like, Ron Turner and Ron Zook were kind of the opposite of each other. But it was just kind of, you know, because one could coach and one and couldn't recruit and the other could recruit and wasn't yeah. all that great of a coach. Uh, but it was kind of like the inconsistency, right? You just couldn't get the full package out of those guys and consistency out of them. Um, Tim Beckman was the bottoming out, right? And, and I will give like Bill Cubitt served as this weird bridge, but you look back at that season, pretty good job by Bill Cubitt. It's not his fault. He got the two year deal, but like the fact that that team was competent and was a game away from a bowl game is pretty amazing when you look back at it. Lovey Smith was simply a five-year reset. Yeah, I don't right? know. Like, like a like he is he the parsley of you know? Like, <laughs> he just kind of the palate. Cleanse the palate. It was kind of bland, but it just kind of gave you that buffer between eras. I yeah. guess is how like how I would describe it. It was like between a bad dish and you're hoping a much more tasty dish coming up, but he helped. Just give you some integrity, give you some credibility, and it didn't go as well as you hoped, but at, at least it, it did that. And I think whether we can debate whether he left a better roster, I think slightly maybe, especially if yeah. some of these seniors come back. It's debatable though, and that's it is. the problem. It is because of the high school recruiting. Um, they, they are more talented, I, I do think, because of the transfers, but we just haven't seen it getting many wins, right? Lovey's 23% Big Ten winning percentage. Uh, Beckman and Cubit combined were 18-19, right? So it's, it wasn't that much better. But you do have that facility partly because of Lovey Smith. 
and maybe not because he sold it gr- greatly, but that Smith family that donated $15 million loved Lovey Smith. And Josh Whitman deserves a lot of credit for that building, but I don't know if you get it to that level or the level it is without Lovey. So at least now Bielema has that building to help sell it, isn't taking over what Beckman left. Um, I, so I guess that's what it is. It, it it didn't make you. I did it make you a little bit better. Yeah, like in the end, I think it made you a little bit better as a program. Um, and you, you're not taking over disaster for people. Yeah, I think it'll make it easier to snap back into shape than what Lovey necessarily had at the beginning of his tenure. So I I would agree with that. And I didn't realize that the Smith family that donated that how high they were in Lovey. I Love figured him. it was more of a sales job by Whitman than it was. Oh, you got Lovey Smith as your head coach and Lovey. Piled, piled around with them. Okay. So like, I don't, okay. he didn't sell, it didn't seem to sell recruits all that well. It didn't seem to, you know, do it with a, many people, but that family, he showed, he showed a lot of appreciation to. Uh, it, it does help. And you hear, you heard Bielma mention that a few times in this press conference. So yeah, I think that overall I'm excited to see the, the next month is fun when you get the coaching staff all put together and hopefully we don't have a, what Billy Gonzalez and uh, who is it? Beatty what was the Gonzalez and Beatty, the co-coordinator who I and- think are very capable power five assistants and recruiters, but that whole setup was a disaster. So I felt bad for them, man. Oh man. So yeah, hopefully we get some, and I think the big thing that we're going to see with Bielma is that the guys that come in are proven commodities. It's probably not going to be to the level of a staff at Wisconsin or Arkansas. Cause a lot of those guys moved on from um, the podcast I was listening to with you and Ryan and Isaac. But I, I mean, think he's got the five million. That he has. He's got five Sorry, million. Go he's got five million, man. And yeah. from what I've heard, there's. I think they're gonna. Get, you're gonna get assistance that other Power Five programs would hire, which wasn't the case the last couple of years. Yep, for, mo- for the most part, right with Illinois. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that between that and the unique opportunity that Bielma mentioned, where you get these seniors, they can come back if they want to. That you have the transfer market, it would help Lovey. I think now with a new coach, it could help Bielma even more because that the 10 spots that you have open and the quarterback thing as well. I think that it gives you an opportunity to not have to go through the prolonged, uh, just very depressing kind of rebuild that we've seen so often here. Yeah. I I will give lovey this. The quarterback room is far better. The running back room is pretty good. I mean, the running back room back Beckman left wasn't too bad either. Offensive line rooms going to be pretty good. Um, the defense though has some holes. I think the defensive line room's got talent, but uh, the back seven uh, doesn't have a lot of depth. So, all right, Carp, when we come back, let's talk a little bit about Illini Hoops, who has three losses through eight games, but a very winnable stretch ahead. Let's talk about that next. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. 
Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right, Carp. Illinois basketball is still a top 20 team, uh, but three losses. Um, how are you riding that roller coaster right now? Mm. I made this decision, and it was during the second half of the Rutgers game. It was after the flagrant foul, and Rutgers took control. And you could kind of see that coming before the flagrant foul. I don't feel like that was quite the turning point that others might have. It was a messy second half, but it was not the first messy half that this team has played. And there's no shame in losing to Duke or sorry, not Duke, Baylor, Missouri, or Rutgers. And we saw Missouri last night. They got everything from Bradley and took a Jeremiah Tillman game winner, essentially. But no, they're no still losses, a good team. No losses with any of those teams, all in the top 15, all on the road, too. Yeah, So, but what that tells me, though, is that you went 0-3 against those teams, mm-hmm. and I know that those were all away from home, but that just means that right now you're good. You aren't great. You're having less moments of greatness than some of those teams that you've lost to, and we know that they're capable of it, but what I'm going to do as a fan to take the old fan pressure off, to use that term, is just look at these next eight games, which are very winnable, and kind of go into a wait-and-see mode. Not wait-and-see and, and, uh, like, show me that you're a good team. We know they are. But show me if this is something that we should be talking about in late January, Big Ten title, that sort of thing. And tonight is not by any means a must-win for making the tournament or accomplishing some of those other goals that you might want to this year, like a deep tournament run. But I do think that it's important for this team to show that whatever switch they were able to flip on last year, that they're able to do the same this year, and that the loss of a Feliz, or maybe even to a lesser extent an Alan Griffin, is not taking away that edge that they had last year. I remember we did our preseason pod, and we talked about all the reasons Illinois can be a top 10 team and a Big Ten title contender and a Final Four contender, and I still think, Carp, they will be um, Mm -hmm. by the end of the year. But one of the things Piper and I talked about was the losses. I mean, you, you have a younger... Um, I know a lot of guys are back, but you're not the oldest team anymore. Like Rutgers is, is an older team than you. Even Penn State tonight has, has a lot of experience, and you're facing that up and down the Big Ten. Baylor is, is one of the oldest teams in the, in the league or in the country, and uh, they're unbelievable. And you do have young talent. This is the most talented roster they've had in a long time, but it's, it's the defensive consistency. And that's, that's the hallmark of a team that has a couple young pieces that, that are inconsistent. And, and Curbelo certainly has been that Miller certainly has been that. Um, but they also lost that toughness piece in the, in the, in the energy piece of uh, both Feliz and Griffin. And those are two really, really good players. And I, I hope everyone appreciated how good Andres Feliz was last year because Io is the superhero, right? But you go back to some of those comeback wins that they had last year, those close wins, and Felice was the guy with 12 minutes left who stopped that 12-3 run from happening, or was it Rutgers 13-1? Like Felice mm. was the guy who got that one or two buckets, who stopped that from getting ridiculous and allowed you the opportunity to to finish that comeback. And Illinois came back because they got guys like Desumu. Um those are the kind of pieces they're missing right now. But I think later in the year, um, they'll figure it out. And this is a really important stretch now, right? Because you have so many home games. You got one more road game tonight. So if you're listening to this uh, on Thursday or Friday, um, happy holidays, one. But two, uh, we'll see what happens with Penn State. That's a game you got to win, um, even on the road. 
But then you have a bunch of home games against teams that you should beat uh, at home. So, you know, this next stretch, this is where you got to stack some wins together if you're going to be a Big Ten title contender. I still think it's a really good team, but there are a lot of really good teams in the Big Ten. Yeah, that's the problem. And I think that for me tonight and then going forward, and like you said, so this isn't too, oh, so it's not too timely, or at least this podcast can be listened to after the Penn State game. It is kind of an eight game stretch that we're looking at. And I mentioned on Sunday that they got to go wait no for me to consider them back in the Big Ten title hunt. Not necessarily. I, I know that's probably a bit hyperbolic, but when you look at that stretch at the end of January, early February, Michigan State, Iowa, Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, I think, in five games in a row. That will determine whether you win it, right? That will determine if you win it. And But this next eight-game stretch can determine if you're even going to be in it. And right. what I mean by that is the team that wins the Big Ten is out of this mess of Iowa, Wisconsin, Rutgers for sure. I still think Michigan State, despite what happened against Northwestern, and then Illinois, those five teams right there, the team that wins is going to be the one that had the fewest hiccups. Because I think the idea of these teams beating up each other, yeah, when they play each other twice a year, most of those top five teams are going to split. But as Illinois, you have the advantage of this eight-game stretch. You have the advantage of Iowa only once at home. Michigan State only once, even that's on the road. And Rutgers, I don't think, do you play them again? That was it, right? I think so. I think so you've, you have all these benefits. I, I, I would hate to get to the end of this year, and I mentioned this on Sunday's podcast, that you know, most of the great Illini teams, there's some sort of banner or there's a benchmark. There's something tangible that they achieved more than just they made the tournament. And while I, I can't wait for this team to play in the tournament, regardless of if they win a Big Ten title or not, for it to be one of those truly memorable seasons, it does kind of need that that title or some sort of label that you can attach to it. And for these players and everything, they got to sacrifice this year. I hope that they can achieve something like that to make it that much more... I don't know. I know it's kind of arbitrary, but to me, there is something still important about raising those banners and having those yeah. things that you need. Listen, I, I know the expectations are so high, and they should be, right? But just because they have three losses early in the season doesn't mean they can't reach those, yeah. or that it still can't be an awesome season, right? Like, I think, I think, the, I think what this does, Carp, this start, it, it reminds you that, man, the Big Ten's good. Man, they're, they've had a tough schedule, right? Man, they've barely been home. They've had one home game this month so far, right? And that was against Minnesota, and they crushed them. Um, but they got to find a way to be consistent. And, and for me, I think offensively they're great. I, I think there's a great offensive team. But defense is, what, is why I picked them to win the Big Ten, and they have not shown that yet. So if you're going to go into the Big Ten and not play defense at a very high level, day in and day out, like you did last year, you're not going to have a chance because there are better offensive teams than you in the Big Ten, especially Iowa, right? And there's better defensive teams than you right now, including, uh, I think, Indiana on Saturday is a big one. They're a really, really good defensive team. So uh, this is a huge stretch ahead. I still think they're going to be really good. I still think they're going to be a ranked team throughout the year. Uh, but if they got to find defensive consistency. And you got to stop fouling, man. Like, they are they're fouling, uh, especially on the perimeter. Now, Kofi needs to get called for, like, he needs to draw more fouls, and the officials yeah. uh, need a couple more. The, the one kid from Rutgers, and kudos to him, the headband kid, um, <sighs> just clobbered him. Just clobbered him. <laughs> yeah, that was frustrating. I, I expressed my frustration with Mulcahy, which, you know, he's just that token tough kid that you get on a lot of these teams, and they drive you nuts. But if he was on your team, I understand it. You would love, He'd be a folk hero. We kind of had that with Lucas Johnson back in the day. I agree with all those points. I think defensively, you know, I wish it was as easy as flipping on a switch, and last year it was because of how old that team was. Or I should say 
really the Feliz factor. And Griffin, while I know he had the occasional misassignment, was just like a rabid dog out there on defense. And he was moving around. He was so active that it kind of fed into this intensity that that team had that this team is yet to capture. So the Duke game, as fun as that was, there didn't need to be a whole lot of uh, moments of, we got to get a stopper. We, we need to make sure that they don't get within arm's reach. I want to see this team in a game like Penn State even, where it is a one or two possession throughout, and they kind of got to out-tough the other team. And yeah. that's a very John Gross-like thing to say, but it does feel like the tough toughness component is the biggest question mark right now. And I didn't expect that to be the case for this team. Yeah. Uh, you still have an all American. I think Desumu is playing at an unbelievable level. And it's amazing how we pick apart him and Kofi. Cause I get it. Um, they're, they're all American candidates, uh, but they've been unbelievable. I, mm-hmm. I mean, really you look at their production. They've, they've been great. Desumu's number three in the Kempom player of the year ratings right now. Uh, Kofi's averaging basically a double, double each game. And he's been really good. Um, the last couple games. Yeah. Um, so you got to get consistency outside of those guys. And that's why Adam Miller is really important. You know, I think Trent Frazier offensively has been much better. Demonte Williams offensively has been much better. Uh, but you need Georgie, Adam Miller, Curbelo being on the court consistently. Um, there's not a lot of depth on this team right now and not a lot of consistent depth so that's where they got to get it well right. the good news is that with those three losses and i would have to go back to baylor but i'm pretty sure adam miller has been a non-factor in all three yeah and well, it's well, not like minnesota, you were getting smoked in any of these games even minnesota i know he scored 14 points a lot of those were late late, late were garbage late. time yeah, yeah so if, if you can get him going early you saw in the duke game Three threes in the first five minutes, and I don't think he scored again, but it didn't matter. He made his impact, and you have enough other offensive options where if he can just get you 9-10 a game, no reason he can't, that, yeah, you win a game like Rutgers, or you win the game against Missouri if he can just knock down a few threes. Great stuff. Anything else, Carp, that you want to add? No, not really. I mean, by the time people get this, maybe it'll be after the Penn State game. I know that if you win that, you feel pretty good going into the Christmas holiday, 2-1 and one in the Big Ten, and, and this nice stretch coming up with a lot of home games. But um, between that and the sort of coordinator, wait and see how the staff is going to – and also all the seniors that may stay, and we mm-hmm. see those announcements coming up. I think that while December was an up-and-down month for Illinois sports, I'd love to think that January brings a lot more stability for both programs, and I think it will. Uh, do you have uh, any – Festivus grievances. It is December twenty third. <laughs> oh man, I feel like that'd be beating a dead horse in this year Can, of all years. Uh, grievances twenty twenty. Dre, in Dre, Dre Brown threw out some like uniform talk this morning, which oh, yeah. I, I usually don't get into. Um, I got a problem with the gray ghost uniforms every year on homecoming. Uh, can we just do that? And I agree with Dre. Like uh, a road night game, I'm cool with that. Like if you want to mm-hmm. do something different, but I would do it every couple of years. Like I, I just. Uh, play with your colors on man like it's just, i i will say for the jersey thing he brought up the old helmets with the new york giants yeah. thing and there is something to be said that as time passes whatever wasn't cool 10 years ago becomes cool again so maybe in a weird kind of retro way that works I, but i would actually prefer and you might recall this the first game of 08 they went with these retro dick buckus era jerseys yep. they were very simple kind of like the ones we have now but even simpler syracuse yeah syracuse but they looked great and they looked old school I don't mind the jerseys now, though. It's just we weren't winning in them. Right. That's yeah. it. Uh, if you're going to go with a different, like an old school helmet, I'd go with the uh, cir- like half circle Illini, maybe with a yeah. newer font, uh, cooler The 83 font. Rose Bowl helmets. Yeah, yeah. I, I would go more of that. I just, I know so many people grew up with the slant, italicized Illini, Illinois, 
but that's just a straight ripoff of the Giants, the 1980s Giants. I, I think of Bill Parcells. I don't think of good Illinois football. I think of if that's a complete ripoff, be original. Just be original with uniforms. That's all I ask. And that's why I kind of wanted to stay with what they got. Like, eventually, if you start winning games, that becomes your traditional jersey. That becomes the one that people like. And it's clean. It's simple. The orange pops. I don't think you need to reinvent the wheel. Though, would it be Bielema's option to go to Nike and say, we need, is it the coaches? It's, it's usually every five years. So that that's soon. Uh, 2022, 23, I think they would put get new uniforms. So. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, I love the uniform fodder, and speaking of which, I don't know why the basketball team has not worn the Flying Illini retro jerseys yet. I thought the Bragg and Rights game would have been perfect for that. I don't know what they're waiting for, but I would agree with the Twitter assessment that the all-blue, it needs to stop. It's not working. <laughs> and I'm not superstitious, but I'm beca- if they keep losing the blue uniforms, I will be. You're, you're just stitious. You're a little stitious. A little moderately stitious. Carp, thank you, buddy. All right, we'll see you, man. Have a great Christmas. You too. Same to all you guys out there. Um, happy holidays to all you out there, no matter what you're celebrating out there. Uh, enjoy the time with the, I guess, smaller groups of family here and in, in wrapping up what has been obviously a ridiculous uh, 2020 year. And uh, hopefully brighter days are on the horizon. We still got a lot to get through uh, over the next year probably. But uh, thank you for sticking with us here at Illini Inquirer and making it outside of the pandemic, uh, a very eventful year and, and a year of growth for us, which I, I can't thank you enough, given everything that's happening in the world, uh, everything that's happened economically. Um, you guys have given us great support. I hope you feel like we've given you uh, as, as much work ethic and, and quality and quantity of content covering your favorite college basketball team, college football team as possible. So I uh, hope you're getting uh, what you feel your money is worth for, whether it's on the site or what your time is worth for if you're reading the free stuff on the site or listening to us here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Happy holidays to you all. Enjoy the week. Uh, be safe. We'll have more content rolling out here in the next couple of days. Looks like Illinois offered a couple of Jason Taylor's kids, the, the Hall of Famer, including a 2021 prospect. The first couple of offers we've seen out for Illinois. We have content coming up on those guys. An interesting name just went in the portal. Mookie Cooper knew that probably wouldn't last there. It's, it's tough to get an early position at Ohio State, especially with their wide receiver group. I think Mookie Cooper would have started at the University of Illinois last year as a true freshman. Uh, he's got that kind of talent. And, of course, Illinois would be very interested, um, and Brett Bielema should be very interested. Uh, and Corey Patterson could be on the staff. Um, he, he and Mike Bellamy and maybe Jimmy Lindsay sound like they have potential to stay here, uh, but that's not that's not a certainty. Um, so the transfer portal can work pretty quickly. Um, but Corey Patterson, I think, obviously put Illinois in a pretty good position to land what would be a huge need filled for Illinois. Uh, you know, I went down to these Trinity games often, and guys, Mookie Cooper's a different level of prospect. Um, speed, power, um, slot receiver that Illinois sorely, sorely needs and just has missed uh, time and time again the last couple of years. Um, so if they can add him, uh, that'd be a big-time addition, but uh, you know a lot of schools are going to be interested. And uh, you wonder if he enters the transfer portal knowing where he wants to go. Um, but uh, if I'm Brett Bielema, I get on that one pretty quickly. And if Corey Patterson's here, I think he's got a decent chance 
uh, of landing him, but uh, we'll see uh, what Mookie has in mind. But the transfer portal is going to be filling up here pretty quickly, and we've seen some big names already added to it. Ryan already has some uh, prospects out there that uh, Illinois should be interested in, some transfers. Uh, so check that all out on the site. If you don't already, subscribe to us, rate us, review us, wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate it. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast.